The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Arlen Suderman is joining us with FC Stone. And Arlen, I said I wanted a do-over on today's markets. Big drop in the soybeans and the wheat. We were kind of hoping we were over that hump for the week, but it just kind of reverted back to two days ago. And you said we've got a lot to learn over the past couple of days. We really do. First of all, let's start with the soybeans. Uh, Soybeans received what should have been a bullish report yesterday from USDA, and yet with corn and wheat rallying sharply, soybeans just sat there. Uh, Corn and wheat were trying to pull it higher, and the the prices just sat there. And this comes after they'd seen a big drop in values in recent days, just as just as corn had, and uh, and wheat had. Uh, and soybeans couldn't generate anything. And that said that the market just was skeptical about USDA's balance sheet, just didn't believe it. There's a number of things that don't make sense about it. Uh, they raised Brazil's production estimate, 2 million metric tons, referencing that the trend yields are rising in Brazil, and they failed to account for that. Uh, then how come their trend yield in U.S. soybean production is lower than what a lot of ours are that that doesn't show anything i mean genetics are similar um and uh if trend yields are going up so much how come their their prediction for argentine and and brazilian soybean production for next year is barely above level seen two years ago when currency exchange rates would argue that we should have a significant increase in acres in the coming crop that's planted here in a few months uh, as well as these higher yields from those new genetics. And, and when you look at China, uh, yes, demand for protein is growing rapidly in China, but they're not accounting for all the ethanol plants that are starting to come online in, in China are getting ready for that 10% mandate by 2020, uh, producing a lot more DDG. So the DDGs are going to start taking some of that soy mill demand so there's a lot of things about that doesn't make sense. And then you throw in the fact that we're still at risk that Brazil could put a tariff, a 25% tariff on U.S. soybeans, maybe as early as this weekend. So a lot of concerns for the soybean traders. The chart signals are bearish, and so today they followed the chart signals. There has, uh, I was saying, Arlene, I don't mean to interrupt you, but there hasn't been a lot said about Brazil and tariffs as of late. There hasn't been a lot, but the U.S. is getting ready to put tariffs on $50 billion worth of Chinese goods and services starting Friday or sources saying maybe as early as early next week. So here within the next week, we anticipate seeing a lot of tariffs. And China has said that once the U.S. puts tariffs on, then they'll put tariffs on us. And soybeans were in that list that they gave initially on that they would put tariffs on. So we don't have it official yet, but that's a possibility here. It's still very costly for China to do, and, and uh, China doesn't want that to have to happen, certainly not for very long. Uh, so that's a real concern. But that when the charts are bearish anyway and the fundamentals are very soft, uh, that's just going to add that much fear to, to the trade. 
Interesting to think about, especially when you we haven't really focused much on Brazil and to know that that option is out there. And obviously with China, it's been on the forefront and Mexico has been as well. So there's a lot of tariff information being thrown at the market trade. Kind of hard for you guys all to keep straight and see how it's all affecting on a, on a daily basis. Well, absolutely. And that's what gives volatility in the markets, particularly when there's so much money involved. As, as we look at the wheat market yesterday from USDA, uh, big numbers in the USDA's uh, report. Uh, certainly wouldn't have expected the response that we get. Um, the trade focused on the fact that Russia's production came down 3.5 million metric tons. Uh, that's believed to be the beginning of a trend of a number of, of adverse weather locations starting to see smaller crops, including Australia and Europe and the Baltic Sea region, excuse me, the Baltics region and, and stuff. So a trend towards smaller stocks, but today was a reminder uh, that stocks are still big and deliveries will still be big if prices get too high. Uh, it should be noted that the big rally in corn and wheat yesterday saw a decrease in open interest. In other words, fewer contracts at the end of the day than were at the beginning, and that suggests that much of yesterday's strength was about short covering, not uh, people coming in and building new long or new owned positions. Uh, and so, yeah, it's good to get short covering to elevate prices, but you've got to have enough conviction in there to really sustain a rally, and that didn't happen. Now, the fact that corn uh, had the big gains following the report and then in the midst of selling in, in many of the other markets today only was down a penny, penny and a half, that, that just shows the resiliency of this corn market and the fact that uh, the funds still see some long-term strength in the corn fundamentals, which I agree with. I do think that we've got a bearish surprise at some point when USDA makes an upward revision in the size of China's reserves. They're going to have to do that at some point to make the math work. Um, but the longer-term story is still there. There's not much margin for error in this year's balance sheet. Uh, and... Uh, and frankly, if you look at even at USDA's numbers, uh, these these corn uh, prices would seem to be undervalued relative to what the historic fundamentals would suggest. Uh, and so corn finding good support there. I did notice, too, that speaking of corn and weekly ethanol uh, numbers were up, what, about 12,000 barrels a day? Yeah, some good numbers there. We're seeing good demand, and uh, year-to-date ethanol use of corn is, is still ahead of where we need to be to hit USDA's target. Exports are very strong this spring. Uh, feed usage is strong. So overall, we're seeing some good, strong fundamentals underneath this corn market. Well, stick around, folks. We do have more coming up here on this Fontenelle Final Bell on a Wednesday afternoon. We'll take a look at a couple other issues. We do have a, a question coming from a listener as well. And we'll take a look at the livestock happenings on the day as well. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, where we're being joined by Arlen Suderman of FC Stone. Before we dive into the rest of the market trade, the listener question. Uh, Arlen, Scott Pruitt, the administrator for the EPA, has been in was in Kansas yesterday. Um, wasn't a very welcome reception from producers. Uh, corn growers talking to him about what's been going on with the RFS. Today, he's in South Dakota. We know that there had been some protests and corn growers that weren't even going to give him the time of day. He's going to make a stop in Nebraska uh, tomorrow evening. So this listener is wondering, these visits to corn country, does that mean anything for the markets? 
Well, it does. It certainly piques everyone's interest in, and it starts the rumor mill going and speculation about uh, what he's going to do. It's interesting to note that he made the comment that he, he does have the authority to go ahead and uh, allow E15 uh, to be sold year-round through the summer months, uh, and that could open a lot of doors for ethanol. And uh, as I saw, that was confirmed by one of his staff members as well, that, yes, he was right in saying that, and he does have authority. Because early on, he had said, we wasn't sure if he had the authority. Now it seems he does. The question is, when is he going to do it? Uh, and what is he going to do? And initially, this was seen as kind of a trade-off uh, to give the, the oil industry, um, you know, relief on the REN side of things. And uh, that trade-off kind of got squelched when... Uh, there was a lot of fears it would hurt demand for ethanol. And so is he holding off because uh, he still wants to keep it as a bargaining chip to help the oil companies? Or are there other reasons he's holding off? And uh, so here again, it uh, uh, creates a lot of speculation. But uh, I, 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 when you look at the way the corn market's performed, it's been performing the way it has with some real positiveness, not in the last 10 days, but overall and and some resiliency on looking at long-term fundamentals. I don't think banking on increased ethanol consumption. I think just kind of banking on the status quo in ethanol. So that would be another supportive factor were it to happen. We do know the harvest is continuing out of Oklahoma into Kansas and, and not a pretty scene for those Kansas wheat growers. It's been very highly variable. And the continued here stories of that, some, some really good yields, but some really bad yields and a lot of abandonment. And uh, um, also heard of uh, one custom cutter had three combines, seems to be ten combines, sent three down to Oklahoma, and the other seven were going to join it once the crew got to South Dakota because there wasn't enough wheat between Oklahoma and Nebraska to keep all ten combines going. Uh, now, I don't know where they're, you know, a lot of times they jump around spot to spot. I don't know how many Nebraska stops they had or anything like that. Uh, another custom cutter uh, who this year uh, normally goes down to Texas, comes up through Oklahoma and western Kansas, and uh, said that 100% of his acreage in Texas and Oklahoma had been abandoned. So he had no wheat to cut in Texas or Oklahoma among his customers. Um, so... Highly variable, uh, but I think one thing the USDA is failing to really account for is the abandonment factor, and I, I was a little bit taken back at uh, the fact that they did not reduce their hard red winter wheat yields in Oklahoma or Kansas yesterday, or, and, uh, or excuse me, Oklahoma or Texas, nor did they in Kansas. And with the active harvest progress in Texas and Oklahoma, uh, I watched the condition ratings during harvest time because that reflects kind of what the surveyors are hearing from the harvest results, and the ratings have been dropping in Texas and Oklahoma during harvest, and yet USDA made no change in the yield. So a little bit surprising to me. Over to the livestock side, kind of wondering, Arlen, what are your thoughts on the pressure that we continue to see both in this feeder cattle trade? Is it some spillover pressure from the volatility of the grain market? What seems to be going on? Yeah, I think particularly on Tuesday, uh, we were seeing the, um, the feeder cattle market nervous because the fats were up and, and uh, the feeders just simply couldn't follow the same, to the same extent. I think there's concerns about higher feed prices, and today we saw the fats coming back down some, and 
And so that just kind of kept the lid on feeders then as well. So I think that's the big concern is those margins and demand for feeders had been very strong and it probably elevated prices a little higher than what I would have expected. And then the higher feed costs came in. That was a little bit of a sobering factor. Uh, nothing moved in the online exchange today in the fats. Uh, and, uh, in the June, the June contract would suggest that they still see quite a bit of downside r- price risk yet over the next couple of weeks before the cash in the June contract have to converge. Some positives as well as we get ready to wrap up for the hogs today. It really is. And uh, unfortunately, it's because of the heat that we're having in the Midwest. Uh, so fears of NAFTA going away as they're worried about declining weights now and the heat in these uh, finishing houses and uh, the effect that that's happened having on uh, pork production. What's the best way for folks to reach you, Arlen? intlfcstone.com. And don't forget, follow them on Twitter as well. That is the Fontenelle final bell right here on the Rural Radio Network being brought to you by Fontenelle and all your local Fontenelle dealers. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.